Morning, church. How's everybody doing today? Good. Got a good crowd today. Got a number of visitors. If you're looking for a church home, we'd like for this to be your church home. We'd like for you no longer to be a visitor. We'd like for you to uh, be a member of our church. So if you have any questions, just flag somebody down and say, I have some questions. We'd be more than happy to answer those for you. You came in a good time. We are in a new series. We started last week. You can always go online to um, our website, pinetreechurch.org. I think that's listed in the bulletin, and you can look at sermons, listen to sermons. And uh, we started a new study from the book of Acts last week, and we're learning what it means to be empowered witnesses. In fact, I just have one slide today that I'm just going to leave up here from Acts chapter 1. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. In Acts chapter 1, Jesus, before he ascends back to heaven, tells his disciples, hey, I want you to go to Jerusalem and wait. Just go to Jerusalem and wait. Wait for the power. And I love the word that is used in the Greek. It's the word dunamis, from which we get the word dynamite. Jesus says, wait for the dynamite, which will come from the Holy Spirit. And that's what we find them doing in Acts chapter 1. They go back to Jerusalem, and they go to the upper room, and they pray, and they wait. Not sure if they know what exactly they're waiting for, but they know they're waiting for power, and they know that they're waiting for the Holy Spirit. Because when you use that word dunamis, dynamite, with dynamite comes an explosion. And Jesus says that. There's going to be an explosion in Jerusalem. And then you're going to have the ripple effects of an explosion. That explosion will be felt in Judea and Samaria. That explosion will be felt to the ends of the earth. We are still experiencing that explosion today. What happened on the day of Pentecost still has a ripple effect for us today. And it's still happening. So we're learning what it means to be empowered. We're learning about the Holy Spirit. And we're learning what it means to be witnesses. So we're going to look at the explosion in Acts chapter 2. So if you want to open your Bibles to Acts chapter 2, we're going to look at the power arriving. We're going to look at the Spirit arriving. We're going to look at the explosion. Because in Acts chapter 2, God shows up. In Acts chapter 2, the Holy Spirit shows up. The waiting that they've been waiting for is about to happen on the day of Pentecost. Now, the day of Pentecost is one of the big three feasts for the Jews. You've heard about the big three. It's always amazing to me in basketball, there's five guys on the team and they talk about the big three. I'm like, where's the other two? So back when I was growing up, the Boston Celtics had the big three. Larry Bird, Kevin McHale, Robert Parrish, also known as Chief. Thank you for Boston Celtics fans. Greatest team that ever existed. Ever will. The Miami Heat had the big three. They had LeBron James. They had Chris Bosh. They had Dwayne Wade. The Jews had the big three. They had the Passover. They had Tabernacles, the Feast of Tabernacles, the Feast of Booths. And they had Pentecost. So before we go to Acts chapter 2, we need to go back in time so you know what Pentecost is all about. In Acts chapter 2, God's going to show up. But it's remembering a time when God showed up in their history. So you have to go back to Exodus chapter 3 and God comes to Moses in a burning bush. God comes to Moses 
in fire and that bush is not consumed. And he said, hey, Moses, I want you to lead my people out of Egypt, out of slavery. And Moses does that. And so Moses leads the people out and we're heading out into the wilderness. And we end up at Mount Sinai and God shows up again. In fact, to get them there, they knew God was with them because one of the things he did was a pillar of fire by night. Anytime you have fire, you probably have God showing up. He showed up in fire with Moses. He showed up in a pillar of fire. And then in Exodus chapter 19, God's going to show up in a powerful way because He calls them to the mountain. He calls them the Mount Sinai. And you can read in Exodus 19, it says there's thunder and lightning. There's a thick cloud over the mountain. There's a very loud trumpet blast. Everyone trembled. The mountain trembled because the Lord descended on it with fire. God showed up. Pentecost is all about remembering God showing up in the giving of the law. And so in Acts chapter 2, we're remembering a time where God showed up. Pentecost means the 50th. We're 50 days after one of the other big three, after the Passover. Jesus was on the earth 40 days after he died. We're probably 10 more days down the road. 50 days removed from the Passover, and God's going to show up. Now, the day of Pentecost was just another day for them, like previous day of Pentecost, but they're not, a, they're not even realizing what's about to happen. They're not even realizing the explosion that is about to happen. They're not realizing the power of God that's about to happen, but God shows up. Now, you remember in Exodus chapter 19 what happened when they were at Mount Sinai? Remember, Moses goes up on the mountain and God's giving him the law. And the people get a little tired of waiting and they say, Hey, we, we need to... Moses is taking way too long. So they go to Aaron and they say, Hey, here's all of our gold and we're going to... Why don't you make something for us? And he makes a golden calf. And he fashions that and they worship that idol. They worship that golden calf. And Moses comes down and he's holding those tablets of stone... And he takes those tablets and he throws them down and everything's burned up with fire. And you remember how many people died that day? 3,000 people died that day. And now we are, here we are in Acts chapter 2. I want you to remember that in Acts chapter 2. So when we get to Acts chapter 2, God shows up again. Let's read in Acts 2 verse 1. <clears throat> when the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. You do know that the word for spirit in the Greek is the word for wind. They didn't feel the wind, they heard the wind. There's a sound like the blowing of a violent wind that came from heaven. So the power is coming down. It filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire. Because God is about to empower them. So once again, we see God shows up and there's fire. And it separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit. That Jesus said, just go wait and I'll send you my Spirit. And they're filled with the Holy Spirit. And they begin to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Now... Verse 5, they were staying in Jerusalem, God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. Why? Because it's one of the major feasts. And when we have a major feast, everybody goes to Jerusalem to worship. So the city is packed. 
The temple is packed. The streets are packed. And then we have this loud, violent wind noise showing up. It's got their attention. And then the people that are up there speaking are speaking in unique tongues. I'm not so sure that the miracle is in the tongue speaking, even though there are people from every nation. And he lists who those people are. Verse 9, uh, verse 8, Then how is it that each of us hears them in his own native language? The Parthians, Medes, and Elamites, and those from Mesopotamia. And you can read for all those. I'm not sure the emphasis of the miracle is the fact that they spoke in dialects that they'd never used before. I think the emphasis of the miracle is... Hey, this is something new because God shows up. It's so important that God shows up, that God wants everybody to have His attention. And everybody did. Everybody's listening and everybody hears. Everybody hears the message, although there are some scoffers. Verse 13, I'm sorry, verse 12. Amazed and perplexed, they ask one another, what in the world's going on? What does this mean? I mean, this isn't the usual day of Pentecost. I mean, this was not in the bulletin. This is not in the order of worship. This is not what we usually do. Something's different on this day. Verse 13, somehow ever made fun of them and said, they've had too much wine. Now, verse 14, then Peter stood up. We have to stop right there. Then Peter stood up. Do you remember the last time we heard from Peter? Last time we heard from Peter, he's denying Jesus three times. The last time we heard from Peter, he doesn't want to be associated with Jesus. The last time we heard from Peter, he was anything but courageous. The last time we heard from Peter, he's ready to run the other direction. And Peter stands up. I think it's kind of unique that in Mark 16, that when they go visit the grave... And the women are at the grave and they're looking for Jesus and they go down in the tomb and there's an angel there and they said, hey, if you're looking for Jesus of Nazareth, He's not here, He's risen. Go tell, look in Mark 16, go tell the disciples and Peter. Isn't that interesting? I mean, of all the people who probably really needed to hear about Jesus, it's the one who just denied Him three times and ran the other way. And here we are on the day of Pentecost that the power has arrived. The explosion is fixing to happen. And guess who's preaching? Peter. How does he do that? Well, you remember in Acts chapter 1, it says Jesus was with them for 40 days and He gave them many convincing proofs that He was alive. Peter's fixing to be empowered. Peter's fixing to be a witness. The only way you can witness like Peter witnessed is to have the power. Jesus said, look, I just want you to go wait. And I know you've been running the other direction, and I know you don't believe, and I know you don't understand, but just wait. I'm going to give you power to do what I want you to do. And Peter stands up. Isn't that amazing? That's what happens when you're empowered. You have courage, and you have boldness, and you want to witness for Jesus. And Peter stood up with the eleven, raised his voice, and addressed the crowd Fellow Jews and all of you who live in Jerusalem, let me explain this to you. Listen carefully. Now that I have your attention, now that the Spirit has come down, now that the violent wind, now that what appears to be tongues of fire, now that we have your attention, let me say some things. Number one, these men aren't drunk. It's only nine in the morning. These men aren't drunk. It's the day of Pentecost. These men aren't drunk. All the bars are probably closed. These men aren't drunk on wine. These men are drunk on, as Paul would say in Ephesians 5, these men are 
filled with the Spirit. They're not filled with wine. And he goes on to quote from the prophet Joel and says, In the last days, God says, I will pour out my Spirit on all people. They've been waiting on that. God's people, the Jewish people, they've been waiting on that. He's going to talk about the day of the Lord. They know what the day of the Lord is. They know that when the day of the Lord comes, that God will show up. And God will show up with power. And God would pour out His Spirit. And Peter says, I want you to know, this is the day. This is the day that Joel prophesied. All of the expectations, all of the, all of the prophecies saying, hey, God's going to show up one day. Peter says, God showed up today. This is the day. And then he tells them about Jesus of Nazareth, verse 22, men of Israel. Listen to this. Jesus of Nazareth was a man accredited by God to you by miracles and wonders and signs, which God did among you through him, as you yourselves know. This man was handed over to you by God's set purpose and foreknowledge, and you, with the help of wicked men, had put him to death by nailing him to the cross. But God raised him from the dead, freeing him from the agony of death. Every sermon in Acts is going to talk about the resurrection. Every sermon that's preached needs to mention the resurrection. The only way we have hope in life is the resurrection. So he tells about Jesus being raised. He goes down to verse 31, seeing what was ahead, he spoke of the resurrection of the Christ, that he was not abandoned to the grave, nor did his body see decay. God has raised this Jesus to life, and we are witnesses. There's our word. We're witnesses. Peter said, look, 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 listen. We saw it. We're witnesses of that. We've seen him. We've spent 40 days with him. We want you to know that this Jesus of Nazareth that you just murdered, he's the one. I mean, Peter's not pointing a finger saying, hey, you murdered him and you murdered him and the Jews murdered him and the Romans. Peter's pointing a finger at Jesus, saying God poured out his spirit through Jesus and God's pouring out his spirit today. And he goes on and the people are moved Verse 36, therefore let all Israel be assured of this. God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Christ. And the miracle of the day, in my opinion, is that God moved Peter in such a way to preach such a powerful message about the outpouring of the Spirit and Jesus being the one, Jesus is Lord and Jesus is Messiah. And He's not in the grave. He's raised that the people said, wow, what, what do we do? How do we respond? I mean, the message of Jesus demands a response. The message of Jesus deserves a response. Jesus being raised from the grave deserves a response from us. And the people said, what, what do we do? What do we do? And Peter says, you need to repent. And you need to be baptized. Ah, oh, Acts 2.38. The Church of Christ mantra. We will so pull this verse out and just use it out of context. But the context is, when you see Jesus and you see Jesus alive, it demands a response from us. But here's what I want you to see today. I'm going to blow right by, repent and be baptized. Peter said you need to do that. You need to repent. You need to change your mind. You need to change your direction. You need to change your life. There's got to be a behavioral change, and you need to be baptized. And I understand that you need to repent, and he's going to talk. We're going to see that in Acts. And I understand you need to be baptized, and you're going to see that in Acts. <clears throat> but he goes on to say, and you will receive the gift 
of the Holy Spirit. Yeah, I didn't grow up hearing too much about that. Oh, I heard the repent and be baptized. We could say it front, back, up, down, this way, that way. But the gift of the Holy Spirit, yeah, I'd, I didn't grow up learning too much about the, the power. You see, when you become a Christian, there's a lot that comes with that. Yeah, you need to repent. And yeah, you need to be baptized. And yes, you receive forgiveness of sins. And yes, you stand right before God. And yes, all the stuff that we have in Jesus. But one of the things we get, we get power. God wants to pour out His Spirit on every person here today. God wants to pour His Spirit into you. Into your heart. And we're going to talk about that more next week. We're not even going to leave Acts 2. We're, we're going to talk about what that means. But God wants to pour out His Spirit into each and every one of us. Why? Because He knows we need power. I don't know what you're struggling with. And I don't know what you're going through. But if you don't have the power of God, it's going to be difficult for you. Let me illustrate. <clears throat> This summer, we had an estate sale at my mom and dad's. And mom said, anybody wants something, you get to take it first. And I, I wanted this lamp. So this lamp doesn't mean anything to you, but this lamp um, was on my mom's piano. I think it used to be in my dad's office, and I wanted it. So I whooped every one of my brothers and sisters. I said, the lamp's mine. I just wanted this lamp. It's cool to me. It means a lot to me. I can sit here all day long and try to turn it on and off. It looks good. Looks good on my desk at home. There's no power. It's not serving the purpose that it was made to serve. I can sit here and do this all day long, but if it's not plugged into the power, so when you plug something into the power, it does what it's made to do. You see, when something is empowered, it serves its purpose in life. When you become a Christ follower, when you repent and when you're baptized, you tap into the power that God intends for you to have. You can't live life without the power of God and be victorious and be successful. You can't overcome sin unless you're plugged into the power. We don't even have time for Romans 6 that says, you know, once we become, we're no longer slaves to sin. Why? Because now we have the power to overcome. You see, that's what's powerful to me in the book of Acts is someone like Peter, once he plugs into the power, once he receives the power, there's no telling what he can do. And he stands up and preaches this fantastic sermon. And once I plug into the power, there's no telling what God can accomplish through me. They turn the world upside down. Not in their own ability. They were plugged into the power. So all the things that you've heard about becoming a Christian and all the things you've heard about being a Christ follower, all those things are good. But let me tell you something today. God wants to, he, he quoted from Joel, God wants to pour His Spirit 
into each one of us. And whether we understand that or not, and whether we grasp that to the full ability or not, and whether we even figure out what the Holy Spirit's trying to do or not, God wants to empower us to be witnesses, to tell other people about what God is doing in each and every one of us. And when we do that, oh, let me read you a quote. Vance Havner writes, We're not going to move this world by criticism of it nor conformity to it, but by the combustion within it of lives ignited by the Spirit of God. I want you to go wait, because I'm going to have an explosion in your soul, an explosion in your heart. And when people see the explosion in us, we will see the growth that happened in the book of Acts. And people will say, What in the world is going on in your life? Well, God's Spirit is in me. And He's enabling me to do things that I would have never done on my own. I could have never done on my own. So we offer the invitation of Jesus Christ today. Because Jesus wants to pour His Spirit, God's Spirit, into each and every one of us. So if you've never been baptized, we believe at this church that when you're baptized, you receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. So if you're not a baptized believer, then you don't have the Holy Spirit. You don't have that power. And you need that power to live every day. We don't want you to be baptized so you can be one of us. We don't want you to be baptized to be a member of this church. We want you to be baptized so God's Spirit can empower you to live the life that God's called you to live. Maybe you are a baptized believer. And maybe you've had some struggles. And maybe you're overwhelmed. And, and maybe you're going down the wrong path. And maybe you're thinking, you know what, I, I just I don't feel that power anymore. Listen, our shepherds will meet with you in the back and they will embrace you in prayer and they will, they will lift you up before God's throne. If, if you need to respond in any way, listen folks, you need the power of God to live each and every day. Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of sins and you will receive the gift, the power of the Holy Spirit. If you need to respond to the invitation today, please do so as we stand and sing. There's a f-